powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message. Now, now watch this. Uh, anybody need, uh, need God to do something fast? All right. So, so I'm, I'm going to give you one more shot before I release it. Uh, ladies, any ladies had uh, children? Would you just wave at me? Just wave at me. Okay. Ladies, uh, what does the doctor tell you to do as, as, as you're finally pushing the baby out? Breathe. Breathe. What else they tell you? And push. They tell you what? Breathe and push. To push and breathe. Now, if, if the baby that's coming out uh, 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 let me clean it up real nice. Um, is a sized baby that did I clean it well? Uh, sometimes uh, you need to do more than breathe and push. Sometimes you got to shout. No, no ladies had to do that. You did. I got a shouter. Any other shouters? So I'm going to ask you one more again. Anybody need God to do something real quick? All right. All right. Go to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. I pray you get something out of it. If not, I'm preaching to myself. 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. If you're watching online, make sure you chat with us too. 2 Kings chapter 7. You got it? Verse number 1. You ready? I want you to read it. One, two, ready, read. Stop. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> now we got 19 more verses to read, but I, I ain't even going to read the rest of you can't get past this one. Then Elisha, the man of God said, I want you to hear what God saying. Thus says the Lord. That's all caps there, which means it's the Lord's covenant name, yod heh In other words, thus says the name. Tomorrow, 
at about this time. He said, thus says the word of the Lord. Tomorrow, at about this time. Now, now, maybe, now, now maybe, the, maybe the reason that doesn't excite you is because you don't know what was going to happen tomorrow at about this time when Elijah was speaking to them. Look what he says. A sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley uh, for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, now, here's what you don't understand. What you don't understand is they were in a famine. And the famine got real bad. Look at somebody say it got real bad. The, the situation got real, real, real rough. Look at somebody say real rough. Uh, they, they got real weary. So, so when Elisha's announcing this to them, we're gonna look at we're gonna look in just a moment in Second Kings chapter six, just how bad it was. Got it? But but somebody say tomorrow, tomorrow. about this time, by this time. Tomorrow. Look verse 2. So an officer of whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, that's where we get that saying, by the way. Why I say man of God? Because it's in the Bible right there, man of God. The man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? In other words, somebody sat up and said, I hadn't heard that before. It's real difficult for me to believe that. That's what this fellow he did right here. And, and he said, in fact, you're going to see it with your own eyes. He said, but you don't get to partake of it. You don't get to eat it. Verse 3, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, we are, uh, why are we sitting here until we die? He said, in other words, I'm just rotten. Verse 4, he, uh, if we say we will enter into the city, the famine is in the city now, we'll die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we're going to die. In other words, they say, if, 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 if we stay, we die. If we, if we go, we might die, but we might live. But there ain't nothing to go back to yesterday. Uh, okay, uh, all right, all right. Now, in other words, let me translate, make it real simple. They said, gentlemen, what do we have to lose? Verse 5, so they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, nobody was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. You, you, you're missing what happened. You're missing what happened. Uh, they said, listen, we have nothing to lose, so let's just, let's, let, let, let's just go for it. Does your neighbor say, go for it? Now, now, they said, we got nothing to lose, let's just go for it. But now, as they went for it, uh, they were expecting that the Syrians were going to be there to siege them. But to their surprise, when they got there, the Syrians were gone. Because the Lord caused it to sound like an army was coming. It was only four guys. But the Lord made it sound like an ark. Touch your neighbor. Say, God's bigger than that. Uh -huh. Say, if God be for you, tell him, say, if God be for you, who can be against you? Look at verse 6. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. In other words, they said, this is too good to be true. 
Verse 7, therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Or excuse me, uh, th that's what the uh, uh, Syrians were saying. They said, uh, the, the Lord has sent an army against us. In other words, they were saying, uh, th this, is, this is crazy. We got a bunch of folks coming against us, so they left. But when they left, they didn't realize that they were leaving all of that. This army of the Syrians was leaving all of that for these four guys. Are we on the same page? Right, I misspoke. Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there and went and hid it. They were broke, busted, disgusted, five miles to empty on Wednesday night. But by this time, these guys had silver, they had gold, and look, it got so good to them. Look at verse 9. Then they said, we ain't even doing right. They said, this is so good. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come let us go and tell the king's household. In other words, they said, this is so good, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to go tell the king. Okay, and now I'm going to make it make sense. Sister Dibbs, it's going to make a lot of sense in 10 minutes. <clears throat> tell him, no, Phyllis, but I said, tell him in 10 minutes, it's going to make a lot of sense in 10 minutes. Uh-huh, give me 10 to make it make sense. Now, I'm not going to be done in 10, <laughs> but it's going to make more sense in 10. Got it? Look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, there now uh, in 11. Uh, or actually, let's look at verse 10. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went into the Syrian camp, and surprisingly, nobody was there. Not a human sound, only their horses and donkeys tied and their tents intact. And the gatekeepers called up, and they told it to the king's household and signed. So the king arose in that night and said to his servants, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know we're hungry. Because remember, the land is in a famine. But the man of God said, By this time, tomorrow... <clears throat> verse 13, and one of his servants, uh, 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 or excuse me, uh, the rest of verse 12, uh, but they have done this. They know we're hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they came, come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. They said, this is a trap. They said, we, they, they, in other words, the king was saying, Let, let's, let's approach this with a lot of caution because this could be a trap. Verse 13, and one of his servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they may uh, either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. Verse 14, therefore they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, go and see. And touching they would say, go and see. Verse 15, and they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians have thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people, in other words, he said, they don't even have nothing to hurt us with. So if it was a trap, it won't work. <laughs> uh, look at verse 16. And the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. 
Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate, and he died just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down. Remember the guy who said, nah, this isn't going to happen. Verse 18, so it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seas of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. Then that officer had answered the man of God and said, now look, if the Lord would make a window in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Uh, 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 those are 20 verses, a lot of verses. Look at me, Harvest. Uh, here's what I need you to get for this, just verse 1. Say, tomorrow. tomorrow. About this time. Say it another way. Say, by this time. By this time. Tomorrow. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us now, Father. I pray that you would tailor make this word for all of those here, all of those watching, all of those on Roku, wherever they're receiving this word. I pray that you would tailor make it so that we might move in the great things you have ordained. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, I want you to have five. Watch this. Five people. That means you're going to have to do a little moving. Five. Five is the number of grace. Get you five people and tell them by this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow. Five. It's the number of grace. It's the number of favor. It's the number of grace. It's the number of favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You be seated. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 7, there is a famine. Uh, famine is caused by drought, which prevents anything from taking root in the soil because it's dry. Now watch this. In our lives, there are different types of famine. Say different types. Uh, famine just means scarcity. Scarcity, by definition, means where there is more demand than resources. Have you ever experienced a time in life where there was more outflow than income? Uh, okay, uh, not just financially, but maybe emotionally. Have you ever put out more emotionally than you got back? Have you ever felt like you cared more than you were cared for? Uh, okay, all right. Have you ever had more demand than the resources that you, uh, that you had available? Anybody ever had that? Okay, watch this. So touch your neighbor and say, that's scarcity which is famine. Uh, now watch this. There are three different types of famine we can face in life. The first is spiritual famine, and that is the reason why God has brought you to harvest to end your spiritual scarcity. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm here so that I will not be in spiritual famine. That is the reason why you can be listening to a CD from five years ago and it still have a relevance to your life today. And you're thinking to yourself, how is this CD from five years ago still speaking to me today? Because God says, I brought you to this place called Harvest, not just so you could have another church experience, but so that your life could radically be changed. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I didn't bring you here just for you to remain average. I brought you here to upgrade you. I brought you here so that everything about you would become what I have ordained for your life. Does your neighbor say, I'm not in spiritual faith and tell them no sir you are not but now watch this second kind of famine yes sir let it rain second kind of famine uh, is a uh, is a famine of the soul now this is a famine that you can often experience it's a famine of the soul you are a spirit that lives in a body that possesses a soul you are a spirit that lives in a body that possesses a soul the body is not you you live in it the real you is a spirit that speaks that's the real you the real you is a speaking spirit got it uh, the body you live in is a habitation. It's not even yours, the Bible says. You are a steward over it. Now, you possess a soul. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. Say, my mind, my thoughts, my will, my emotions. Now, watch this. You typically know you're in a soul famine when you begin to get in a place in life where you're blah. That's not Hebrew. That's just... That's just... Uh, just you ever been indifferent about stuff that you should? 
be concerned about? Y'all better answer. <laughs> For those of you can't hear, it's because it's thunder. <laughs> uh, watch this. Watch this. Uh, a famine of the soul is when you go through emotional situations where your emotions are up and your emotions are down. And it just depends on the day of the week that you're in to determine where they're at. And what happens is your emotions are up and down because there's more demand on you soullessly than you have the capacity to currently put out. Anybody been there? All right, good, good, good. Now watch this. Uh, when I say good, because touch, touch your neighbor and say, by this time tomorrow. Uh-huh. Then there is a natural famine. A natural famine for you and I would refer to resources. Predominantly for you and I today, it wouldn't be necessarily a famine of food, perhaps. It would be a famine of financial resources where there is more demand than resources. There is more vision than seeming the provision that you have available. Uh, there is more desire than what seems to be uh, in uh, depository. You understand what I'm saying to you? Uh, that can have a natural famine. Now watch this. The people in 2 Kings chapter 7 were in all three famines at one time. They were in a spiritual famine because they were in a natural famine and they were also in a soul famine. I'm going to say it again. They were in a spiritual famine because of their natural famine, which produced a soul famine. Let me make it make sense to you. Because uh, they were having so many issues naturally, it caused a stress on their spirituality. Okay, because they were experiencing so many tough circumstances and situations, it put now a, uh, uh, a lot of pressure on their spirituality. So while they were going to worship God, they were wondering, well, when is it going to start working? Okay. While they were praising, they were saying, well, when is provision going to show up? While they were praying, they were saying, well, when is God going to move? While they were decreeing and declaring, they were saying, well, when am I going to see the demonstration of what I've been decreeing and declaring? Because we're worshiping the Lord, but we have this natural famine, which is affecting our soul, which means I want to be spiritual, but my spirituality is challenged because my soul is tripping and my soul is having issues because. Okay. Check the sequence. Because of the natural issues, I've got spiritual issues, which now produce soul issues. Did you get this? Okay. All right. So, so, so they're in all three at one time. Touch your neighbor and say, that's bad. Look at the other one and say, it's real bad. Now, listen, if you don't like who you sit next to, you're going to need to learn to like him because you're going to talk to him at least 17 more times tonight. So just smile at him. Just say, well, I, I think this. Now, watch this. The people in 2 Kings chapter 7 went all three at one time. But God sent the man of God to declare to them that by this time tomorrow, the famine would meet its end. All right. Okay, let me make it more sense. Uh, let me give you the first point, note takers. It's, uh, uh, since we received the way I did it this weekend, I figured I'd do a little bit more alliteration this week. How about that? Uh, so here's the first thing I, I need you to do. Touch your neighbor and say, by this time tomorrow. First thing I need you to do, uh, the point's real simple. Don't. Touch your neighbor and say, don't. You, you ever had somebody, uh, you ever get ready to say something and somebody was like, don't. You, you ever, have you ever done that to somebody? Where somebody's getting ready to say something to you and they say, oh, did you? Uh, don't. Okay, all right, all right. So my first point to you is don't. Bishop, what do you mean don't? Uh, we, we find out what makes 2 Kings chapter 7 so significant in 2 Kings chapter 6. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, you can flip there. I'm going to look at a ton of verses, but I just want you to see it. 
2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 24. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. So now you see why these Syrians are so, so vital in 2 Kings 7. Look at what he did. He gathered all of his army and went up and he besieged or he attacked Samaria. Because of this attack, verse 25 happens, and there's great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. So now when you see Elisha coming and saying uh, that these things are going to be sold very inexpensively, it's because, listen, look, look at it, a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. No, 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 you, you don't understand. Okay, let me, let, let's keep reading because then, then you'll get an example of, of the category you should place donkey head in. You, you, you ready? Because maybe you think, oh, that's a delicacy. No, let's keep reading to, to, to find out why that's not a delicacy. Uh-huh. And one-fourth of a cab of Dub's droppings for five shekels of silver. So now you see the category that we should place uh, donkey uh, head in. It should be placed in the same category as Dove's dung. Do you understand now? Does your neighbor say, ooh, that's nasty. <laughs> okay, now you get it. Come on, church. Be a good church. So, so in other words, so now they, they were selling doves droppings for five shekels of silver. So then when the man of God comes and say, you're going to be able to get a, a sea of fine flour for a shekel, that's a great deal. Because of the famine, everything was inflated in terms of the prices. So when he says by this time tomorrow, you're going to be able to get this item for this cost, what he was declaring to them is that the famine was over because the prices were coming down to where the people could get it. Which means on, on I don't know, maybe any day, maybe Wednesday, the financial situation was looking one way. But by Thursday, the financial situation was different. By Wednesday, they were, trying, they were trying to figure out how are we going to make this happen. By Thursday, the man of God announced to them that this thing was handled. You're missing what I'm saying. On Wednesday, they were crying about how they were going to get it done. But by Thursday, somebody shout by this time tomorrow. On Wednesday, they were hoping to get some doves droppings. But on Thursday, they were going to be restored to their financial dominance. On Wednesday, they felt like chump chains. But on Thursday, they felt like they were sitting on top of the world. On Wednesday, they were buying turn text. But by Thursday, they were buying the whole Walmart. On Wednesday, you're not hearing what I'm saying. So look, so look, so look. So look, verse 26, let me show you. Touch your neighbor and say, but it gets worse. Let me show you what was going on Wednesday for them. And we're just using Wednesday as an arbitrary day. Verse 26, then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, help, O Lord, O king. Check out the scenario. The king didn't just walk amongst the people. It got so bad, the king is out there on the street with the people. Put the verse up. It got so bad, thank you, uh, then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, <laughs> it got so bad, the king was like, I can, let me just come out here. He's like, let me just come out here to comfort the people. This is, ooh, it's rough. And a woman said, help my Lord, O king. 
Look at the next verse. And he said, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you for the threshing floor or for the wine person? In other words, he said, listen, lady, what do you want me to do? He said, listen, in other words, watch what he had concluded. He concluded, well, the Lord's done this to us. He said, so if God ain't going to help you, I, I don't really know I, what you want me to do. That's a fair statement. Yes, sir. We got the picture. Yes, sir. Uh, no, I'm just playing. And just so y'all know, I'll be joking. But just don't be thinking that. That's not the, that, that ain't the Lord. Okay. That's thunder. So don't be, you know, you be sitting at home. It was thunder in the Lord. Was... Now, that's possible, but not always probable. Okay. Just because your lights flickered at home. The Holy Ghost was in my lights. Or there was a break in the power. I mean, I mean, it could have been that. Too. Now the Lord could have made it happen. I'm just saying. Okay, it's possible. Doesn't him say it is possible? Okay, all right. So I don't want to mess you up. That's how you hear the Lord. Okay, all right. Uh, it is. <laughs> look, look at verse 28. Then the king said to her, "What's troubling you?" Now he just told her, "Well, if the Lord ain't gonna help you, neither can I." But he said, "But what the problem is?" <laughs> What's wrong? And she answered, this woman said to me, give me your son that we may eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. Look at verse 29. Look at how bad it got. Touch your name and say it was bad. He, so the lady says to the king, so we boiled my kid and we ate him. You have to pay five shekels of silver to get some droppings from the bird. And they were eating their children. Now, I know you sometimes look at the Bible and think of these as, as these arbitrary stories that just have anecdotal, anecdotal information. But what I need you to understand is that that actually happened. Do, do you understand this? This wasn't a parable. Jesus ain't talking. <laughs> this wasn't a parable. This happened. Literally, it got so bad, the mother had to say to herself, let me, okay, well, if you leave mine today and we eat yours tomorrow. Okay, deal. She's like, mine got a lot of dark meat. Yours more white meat. Mine works out. Yours plays video games. So it may, may be, you know, we get a little balance. Now, I'm being jovial with it to just, to just soften the blow of understanding. They boiled her son. They killed the boy and they boiled him. Then they ate him. That means the situation... It was no exaggeration. It was really bad. Okay, you still here. Look at verse 30. Now, it happened when the king heard these words, uh, 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 or look at verse 29, excuse me. So we boiled my son and we ate him. And I said to her on the next day, okay, it's time to eat yours. But she hid hers. Now, if I was dealing with several things, I could go some layers down here to teach you what that actually means. Because when people get in scarcity and when people get in lack and when people get in desperate situations, they don't care what or who they sacrifice. But I'm not dealing with that. When you get in want, you lose discretion. But I'm not talking about that. Verse 30. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes as, as he passed by on the wall. The people looked and there underneath had sackcloth on his body. Well, that was one of the ways that they, they put on sackcloth and ashes when they were fasting or praying or when they were in times of mourning. It was everybody's way to look at them and not say anything to them because they knew they were mourning. Got it? So literally the king is so bad. The king is just walking out there with the people. He's just out there. Walk, you, you understand that's, that's kings don't do that. You come to the court of the king to see the king. 
It got so bad that the king just out there just, hey, how you? You know, he's wrong with the people. And it gets so bad, the king just decides to rip his clothes off at that moment because he's like, I can't believe this is going on. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. That when he rips off his clothes, the people can see, well, he's been mourning because he's got on sackcloth. In other words, he's discouraged. He's depressed. He feels defeated. He's the king, but he feels defeated because he's listening to a story about how one of his citizens had to boil her child so they could have dinner. You still here? But look there, verse 31. Then he said, God, do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphath, remains on him today. In other words, he made this vow. He was like, Lord, I'm so angry. He was like, listen, if I don't kill Elisha by tomorrow, then they can boil me. You still with me? It's that bad. It got that bad that the, the only one to get him out of the situation is the one the king had a problem with. You still with me? Then he said, God, do so to me uh, uh, if the head of Elisha, uh, is, uh, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Verse 32. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Elisha sitting at the table talking with the elders of the city. And Elisha says, do you see? Look at that. Elisha said, uh, 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 <laughs> see, <laughs> uh, uh, it ain't no earthquake. <laughs> I thought this was Denver, <laughs> but it, when it make the camera rocking, shaking, shaking, rock, <laughs> I'm just joking. Watch this, watch this. Elisha sitting down, Elisha, look what he says, y'all. Do you see how this son of a murderer sent somebody to take away my head? In other words, Elisha, being the man of God, knew that the reason the messenger came was to announce the king wants you dead because the king is upset with this situation. And Elisha almost is jovial about it. He tells the guys, he says to the elders of the city, y'all, hold up. He's like, hold on before you talk. Just wait a minute. Y'all see how the king then sent somebody to come take my head. You see? see? It's it's almost like Elisha's like, do you really think? That you even have the power to come at me like that. Do you really think he's sitting with the guys at his house? Like, he ain't alarmed. He didn't get up. He's like, hold on, before you say anything. Do y'all see what he came to do? Do y'all see what the king, does the king really think he's going to do so? Look, look, look what happens. Look what happens. Look what happens. Uh, 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 look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. Verse 33, and while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Now, remember, he just finished having a discussion with one of his citizens about how she had to boil her son and her friend wouldn't boil her son. In other words, uh, uh, the lady wanted her to make a sacrifice that she was not also willing to make herself. Be careful when you're doing deals and call yourself in operation with folk and they want you to sacrifice. They ain't going to do it themselves, though. You got to be careful when you're doing business with folk like that. You got to be careful when you're doing, when you, when you, when you, when you're interacting with people like that. Because listen, you're going to have to put just as much skin in this as I am. 
Now, now, but watch this. So look at the king says. The king says, and we're almost to this point. Y'all all right? I told you it's a lot of verses, but I, but I need you to see how bad it was. So now watch this. The king says, surely all of these problems are coming from the name. Why should I wait for him to fix it any longer? I'm going to say it again. Surely this calamity. Come here, bounce back series. <laughs> Surely this, this distressing and this grieving and this, this, this terrible situation came from the name. So why should I wait on that name? Listen, it never would have happened if it wasn't for the name. So why should I wait on the name for me to get out of it? Have you ever felt like sometimes God got you into something and then you were like, well, God, don't bring me out here to leave me and drown and die. Nobody's ever felt like that? I felt like that. There have been times in, in, in error many times, but there were times I felt like, God, you got me out here on this ledge and I came all the way out here because you told me to come out here. And the king says, so why should I wait for you any longer? That's how bad it was. And here's what you need to understand. The word wait in Hebrew is the word yakal, which means, watch this, it means hope. Why should I hope in the name any longer? It means to wait expectantly. Why should I keep thinking that any day? Why should I keep thinking that somehow, some way? You, you never been like that? Nobody's ever felt like that? He, he, the king says, why should I wait expectantly? It's one thing to wait. It's another thing to wait expectantly. You ever had somebody tell you they're 15 minutes away, but you knew their 15 minutes was an hour, so you weren't actually expecting. In fact, you hadn't even gotten a shower yet because you knew they hadn't even left their house yet. Y'all not saying nothing to me, but has there ever been somebody where they, their 15 minutes meant literally 15 minutes, and if you weren't down there at the street, they were going to leave? Do you see the difference? One produced actions because you believe that a designated time is going to produce a designated action. The king says, why should I hope? Why should I wait expectantly? But watch this definition of wait in the Hebrew. Why should I waste time? The king said, why should I waste any more time hoping and waiting in the name? Okay, it's real quiet. So either we're being very introspective or, 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 or we're not listening. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, listen, Linda. <laughs> YouTube it. Um. So I just need to know, has anybody ever felt like that? It's okay. You can be honest. You're at Harvest. Ain't nobody going to judge you. Have you ever felt like, Lord, I, listen, I, I'm just wasting my time doing this. And I'm talking about hoping in people. That's what I'm talking about. No, no, no. I'm not talking about your prayer that God would change somebody. See, because your hope was in God changing them. And that's about place to place your hope. I'm talking about you and him. I'm not talking about you hoping he was going to do something to somebody else. No, no, no. I'm talking about you and him. The king says, why should I wait any longer? Why should I wait expectantly? Why should I waste my time? So the first point to this is what? Don't. Uh, so here, here, here it is. Watch this. And I get, I get to do the whole motion so you get the point. You ready? Don't. But you got to do it. See, you got to walk into it. Don't. See, get this camera here so they can see on my footwork too. Okay, there you go. Okay, no, but get a full shot so they can see the footwork so they can get it. Okay, you ready? All right, y'all ready? Okay. 
don't. Okay, just one more game, one more game, just do one more game. Just one more time. You ready? Ready? Don't. Bishop, don't what? Don't you start doubting now. Don't you start worrying now. Don't you start fearing now. Don't. Just don't. Does the neighbor say, just don't? How'd you have the faith to get up to this point? And all of a sudden, now you got all these issues. All of a sudden, now you got all this doubt. All of a sudden, you got all this worry. Touch your neighbor and say, don't. Because watch this. The king was fine. Preach to yourself for me. The king was fine until he talked to the lady. When he talked to the lady, all of a sudden, it pushed him over the edge. You got to be careful some of the conversations you have throughout the day because they might push you over a ledge you don't have no business being close to in the first place. Be careful being around negative folk and be careful being around people that don't want to go nowhere and don't want to do nothing. The king was fine until he talked to that lady. You were fine until you answered that call. You were fine until you saw that email. You were fine until you chose to respond to that fool on Facebook. You were fine. So what's the point? Don't. Would y'all just do something for me, Harvest? Just can I get a pastoral favor real quick? Would you stand on your feet and do it with me? You already know it's coming. So tomorrow when you feel like worrying, just... Don't. When you feel like throwing in the towel tomorrow, to, to, when you don't think God's going to come through, don't. Somebody shout, don't. You see that? Second point. I only got four. Second point, decree. First thing, don't. Second point, decree. You like it? Good. Bishop decree what? Listen to what Elisha said. So now you see how bad it was in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. And now you see who, the, who Elisha was talking to. Elisha was telling the king that originally was coming to tell him, I'm going to kill you because you're doing this because you're the man of God. And so you got to be responsible for this because you speak on behalf of God. So I just equate you to be responsible for this. So now when Elisha says this, now you have context. The context was the king was there to kill him. And notice it said, take his head off. The king was there to put on pressure. Oh, come on. The, the, the king was there to strangulate. The, the king was there to, 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 to watch this. Um, uh, I've given this analogy before, but, but it, when, you, when you deal with your, your air being cut off here, it, it affects the rest of your body. This one place affects the ability of the rest of you to move. So when it says the king was there to take his head off, literally what it's saying is that the king was applying so much pressure, he couldn't move. <laughs> he was so much pressure. He was under so much pressure. And he was under so much tension. And he was under so much stress. He couldn't even make a move. That, that's what the king was there to do. So when the king says, let me tell you what God is saying, the king wasn't saying that because he got good news. The king was saying that because the pressure was there to try to take him out. Which means when you start making decrees of faith, it may look like the decree doesn't hear you. When you start telling your mountain to move, it may look like the mountain ain't listening to you. When you start trying to walk on water, it may look like the water's talking back. But you must decree. Somebody shout, I must. I must. 
Look at what Elisha says. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. He, watch this. Now, can I make this relevant for you? Who's he telling that to? The king. What was the king there to do? Put on the pressure. Take his head off. So listen to who he decrees it to. Hear the word of the Lord. Who's he talking to? His pressure. Who's he talking to? His pain. Who's he talking to? His issue. Who's he talking to? His tough situation. Who's he talking to? His difficulty. Elisha says, let me tell you something, problem. You sit up and let your problems tell you a lot, but when are you going to start telling your problems something? Elisha said, I want to tell you what the word of the Lord is to you, pressure. Now watch this. He says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow at about this time. Notice what he does not do. Now, can, can, this is Wednesday Night Live, so can I give you some revelation? Notice, he says, thus Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. Who's he talking to? The king. What was the king there to put the pressure? What was he going to put the pressure? So that he couldn't make a move. So he felt helpless. So he felt paralyzed. So he felt like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You ever notice when you don't know what to do, you do a lot of stupid stuff? I don't know. You tripping over yourself. So look at what he says. Thus hear the word of the Lord. Or hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, I see a found flower. It's going to be sold for a shekel. That's a much better deal than what? Five, six shekels, however much for some, for some dove droppings. That, that's a pretty good deal. And then shoot, you put your King Supers card on it. Man, you get another. <laughs> get an extra 33 cents off each. I mean, you know. <laughs> you got it. Then he's a couponer too. Probably a couponer. So he's clipping him, you know. Got it? Look at what he says. Y'all said y'all wanted revelation, right? Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time. He's telling his pressure that you're coming off of me because my decree is to the solution. You, 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 let me, let me, I'm going to say it slow, and then you're going to catch it. When you catch it, I'll know you caught it because you'll shout just once. That's all. Listen, why are you shouting? Because I just need you to shake yourself up. That's why. Got it? Okay. Listen. The king's there to put on the pressure. The pressure's there to get him paralyzed so that he doesn't know what to do nor how to do it. So, Elisha says to the solution. He doesn't speak to the problem in, in the sense of saying, listen, you ain't putting no pressure on me. That's not what he says. He says, I'll get rid of the reason the pressure's here. I'm not going to deal with the fruit. I'm going to deal with the root. The root, the pressure, the reason and the root of the pressure showing up was that there's a famine. So I'm going to get rid of the pressure by decreeing that the famine's got to go. Doesn't sound like we got it yet. Let me make it real practical for you. He doesn't, he doesn't say, watch this, he doesn't say, if he's had a sickness in his body, he did not say, uh, 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 sickness, in the name of Jesus, go. That's good. Instead, he spoke to the reason the sickness got there. So he said, generational curse of sickness. <laughs> he said, by this time tomorrow, you've got to go. He spoke to the reason for why it was there in the first place. Because if I don't deal with the root of it, I'll keep giving the fruit of it. So it's nice to say problem go, but instead of just saying problem go, you got to say, well, how'd you get here? And let me speak to that. 
Okay, so that was Revelation. Let me come back. Let me just teach the message. He says, tomorrow, about this time, notice he was specific. He didn't say, Lord, do it. He said, Lord, make a way. He said, Lord, you sure are good. You know what he said? Let me tell you something, famine. Because the only reason the king is putting pressure on me is because of the famine. If there was no famine, the woman wouldn't have had to boil her son. Had the woman not boiled her son, she wouldn't have saw the king. Had she not saw the king, the king wouldn't have ripped his clothes and they saw the sackcloth. Had he not had the sackcloth, he wouldn't have had a problem with me. So the reason he's got a problem with me is because of the famine. So let me speak to the reason he's got a problem with me. Did you get it? Touch your neighbor and say, speak to the root. When you got issues with your children, don't just say, Lord, I just did it. No, you need to say, listen, I know where this came from. I've seen this in my bloodline before. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Come on, come on. Ooh, yes, Lord. Watch. Watch. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow, about this time, the, the, next, the next few words there he doesn't specifically say famine be over. Got it? Because famine being over is relative. Because if you had the money to pay for the dove's dung, you weren't in famine. Come on, I thought Wednesday folk came to church hungry. You're not in famine if you can pay. It may not taste good, but you ain't in famine because you're still eating. So, oh God, I'm going to help somebody. So it wasn't enough to say famine be over. It's not enough to just say money come. If he would have just said famine be over, that's relative. That, that, that's relative. Because everybody wasn't necessarily experiencing that. Because watch this. The fact that they could sell it at that price meant somebody was buying it at that price. It just meant everybody couldn't buy it. But so where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Here's what I want you to see. The next few lines there, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flowers will be shown for a second. In other words, what he was doing is he was saying, I know what the people can afford. So instead of needing a financial miracle, what I'm going to do is decree that the price has to reduce to fit what they already have. Rather than saying supernatural loan come, Elisha said, I'm going to declare the price going to drop so that the people can get it. You're not, you're not, you're not getting what I'm saying. In other words, he's, he, he's touching them say he's specific. He made sure he spoke to getting the thing that put the pressure on him to release the pressure. But then he made sure he's specific enough so that he didn't just say famine be over. Because if the famine was over, people that were still broke would still be broke. It would just have changed the financial status of the nation. So what he said was drop the prices so that everybody in the nation. That is why when our country went into what they called the recession, it was important for us as the body of Christ to know what the word recession means. <laughs> While it does mean a contraction of the financial uh, uh, output, it also means the restoration of ownership of belongings to the rightful owner. You missed it. So when our nation went into what it called a recession, famine, 
Okay, all right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to finish the revelation because I don't think we uh, just move. No. Y'all can handle it. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Y'all be, be seated. Okay, now, as I was saying, he says, tomorrow about this time. Now, here's the deal. That took a lot of faith. Because people were boiling children and spending lots of money to, to eat what the birds put on your windshield. Do you see this? So where does he get off saying? Because remember, he's a citizen of that country too. He's, a, he's experiencing the issue too. But interesting though, the king was outside with the people. The man of God was in the house. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it alone. In other words, when Elisha says, by this time tomorrow, those are big words of faith. Could you imagine being the king, listening to those words, thinking, man, this lady just ate her son. And you mean to tell me by tomorrow? The famine's going to be over, and, and the prices will have dropped so that the people can't afford it. Which means there's, the land has to produce. Which means the soil has to now be able to take the seed. That's going to happen in 24 hours? Let's just be realistic for a moment. I only got 10 minutes. Can we be realistic for a moment? You got to imagine with the king listening to this, and you got to imagine the faith it took for Elisha to say it. How are you getting off? See, that's what people don't sometimes understand about you. You're saying, well, I just know the Lord's going to make a way. And I'm thinking, well, did you just look at the same thing I just looked at? Touch the said, that was big faith. That, that was gigantic faith. But then when I tell you what the words mean, you'll probably have another appreciation for it. Here's what happened. The Bible doesn't specifically say that the Lord spoke that to Elisha. Elisha just says, hear the words of the Lord. It doesn't record where the Lord actually said it to him. Now, one of two things happened. One, the Lord communicated it. It's just left out of the book because it was unnecessary to be decreed uh, or to be recorded, rather. Or there's a second thing. Or maybe Elisha just put a demand on Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> maybe Elisha just decided, since I'm a speaking spirit, we need some change around yep so i'm just gonna decree it your neighbor ain't shouting because they missed it they missed it that's okay i'm gonna make it real plain for them the bible doesn't record where the lord said and say unto my people and then elisha said unto the people no you know the bible says elisha said hear the words of the lord thus says the lord Well, when did the Lord tell him that? You want to know why? Can I tell you what I think happened? Why wouldn't he have said that before that day if the Lord had been saying it the whole time? 
As the man of God, he could have ended the famine years earlier. Is it that the pressure produced a decree that put a demand on his faith? Okay, all right, okay. Is it that the situation needed to get rough so that Elisha's faith could get tough? Y'all not hearing me. Is it that his pressure put a demand on him? You don't know what you're made out of until it's demanded out of you. You don't know how the limits you have until it's demanded out of you. You don't know how much faith you have until it's demanded out of you. Have you ever noticed that when you get down to a little bit of toothpaste, if you roll it up and put some pressure on it and get you a scraper and start scraping it, all of a sudden this tooth that looked empty, it had something else it had something else in it. I'm here to tell you the pressure you've been facing is God saying, I want to put a demand on your faith. Elisha could have decreed that at any other time. Why didn't he? Could it be that there was no pressure? So he's just rolling easy. And he's just thinking, this is going to be easy. Could it be that the pressure put a demand on a decree from him? Could it be that when the king showed up while he was being jovial with the guys and the elders, that he's really thinking to himself, OMG, some stuff is about to go D-O-W-N. But I got a mouth and I'm a spirit that can speak. So thus says the words of the Lord. Touch your neighbor and say, this pressure is good for you. Baby, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to you this year. Who am I preaching to? Whatever pressure you're facing, you better shout and thank Jesus for it. It's the best thing you could have been facing. It's the best thing that could have happened to you because God is putting a demand on your faith. What, what, what's this? What's this? What's this? <laughs> it was that pressure that made him say oh no <laughs> you ain't getting ready to kill me <laughs> the spirit of Elijah rests upon me you're not getting ready to take me out like this so I got something for you pressure <laughs> thus says the word of the Lord <laughs> By this time tomorrow. <laughs> Say thank God for my pressure. Thank God for the stuff that feels like it's making you drown. Thank God for the stuff that pushes you to pray. You wouldn't pray unless you went through hell. You wouldn't worship unless you went through hell. You're finding out stuff about yourself and stuff about your God now that you never even thought you'd know. But pressure did it to you. So watch. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. They said, Bishop, you talk about that a lot because the Bible does. The Bible talks about it a lot. And, and, and sometimes we don't even pay attention to the stuff we passively say because we're on default settings. And oftentimes our default settings are jacked up settings. And you don't even know you're negative until somebody says, you know, that show is negative. You're like, no, it's, hmm. I guess it is. Where's your faith? I got, hmm. 
Well, maybe. Let me prove it to you. You ever been talking to somebody about a situation and, and, and they gave you a spiritual answer? And you're like, I don't really want to hear all that. See? See? Come on, you can be honest. See? <laughs> yeah. They're like, sow a seed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because <laughs> our default is negative. That, that's default. That's our normal default. Got it? Say life and death on the power of my tongue. So here's what he said, y'all. When he said, by this time tomorrow, or about this time tomorrow, about this time, uh, those three words boil down to one Hebrew word, F-E-T-H. It means due season. Tomorrow is the Hebrew word, note takers, makar, M-A-C-H-A-R, which means the short time to come. So here's what he literally said. When he said, about this time tomorrow, he was saying, my due season is in the short time to come. So tomorrow's got, it has several different definitions, but, but the most prominent is the short time to come. Now, there's a literal by this time to tomorrow, meaning literally the next day. Uh, um, one definition depends on where it's used in Scripture. It means the day after the Sabbath. Um, there, there are several different definitions, but uh, uh, it boils down to the short time to come. Say the short time, the short time. to come. Wow. Which, which means this. There is something here. I feel this, my God, that makes it better than what you think tomorrow means. Because when I said by this time tomorrow, many of us got in our minds, well, about 7 o'clock tomorrow night. But short time to come. Okay. All right. All right. Come on, be a good church. Be a good church. Be a good church. It's better than by this time tomorrow, 24 hours. Because the short time to come could be. Now. You, you missed it. The short time to come is be right down because it's better than 24 hours. Somebody might be online sending you some money right now. Somebody's favoring you right shout the short time to come. It's better than 24 hours because it's could be right now. In the name of Jesus, I declare somebody somewhere is favoring us. Somebody somewhere is changing their mind in our direction. Lift your hands if you receive this. Situations are favoring you in the name of Jesus. Employers are favoring you. Banks and lenders are turning towards us and favoring us. Depression is leaving. Famine is fleeing. Disease is fleeing. When? In the short time to come, which could be now. Be seated. I need to finish the last two. The first was what? Don't. The second was what? Decree. Here's the third. Display. Display. This is what do you mean display. Don't be like the advisor to the king that missed it because they responded. You expect us to believe that? Uh, that's how the message Bible records what he said to Elisha. Uh, remember, uh, the, me the, the messenger and the king are there. And Elisha says, about this time tomorrow, in the short time to come, my due season, which could be right now. It's better than 24 hours because it's the short time to come. 
Well, short doesn't have a time stamp on it. <laughs> he said, you expect me to believe that? He said, I just finished watching the king talk to a woman about her son being boiled. And if you could have ended this famine, why wouldn't you have already done it? See, that's the question that we sometimes ask God. God, if you could have, wouldn't you already have? What was missing was the pressure of him not doing. Am I helping anybody? So now that pressure puts a demand on your decree. Puts a demand on your faith. Now you've got to believe God. There's no room for wavering now because if he doesn't do it, how will it get done? So, somebody say display. He was an advisor to the king, which meant he knew details that hampered his faith. He was with the king when the woman was talking. Because he was an advisor to the king, he knew all of the details about the severity of the famine. And so now he's thinking to himself, you expect me to believe that? I, I, I've been with the king all day. Man, he just ripped his clothes off. I mean, he, we had to go run to the store and get him some, get him some clothes. We had to run to the house and get the king some clothes. Got it? And they probably wasn't washing them because they're trying to keep costs down. So they, you know, just put them in rotation. You know, put that out there on the on the hanger, on the on the uh, the line. <laughs> put them out there. Anybody know something about the line? Put them clothes out there on the line with the clothes pins. Remember, remember? I used to put the clothes pins on your fingers and put a bunch of them on your fingers, and and then all of a sudden one of them snap on you, and then you. <laughs> okay, I wasn't the only one. Well, I put them all on my. <laughs> or you put them on the end and. <laughs> Bishop, what are you saying? The advisor knew a lot of details. I wonder, did the details kill his faith? I wonder if the details killed his faith. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan and prepare. Oh, no, you, you absolutely should. I'm just wondering if because the advisor knew so many details and was obsessed about so many details that he's thinking just can't happen. And when he uttered it, he uttered it in front of the wrong guy. Because when doubt shows up, it never shows up at the right time. When doubt shows up, it shows up right at the wrong, it shows up in the middle of a sign. And you ain't hear me. It shows up at the wrong time. I wonder if his doubt showed up, but it showed up at the wrong time because Elisha was like, you know what? You are going to see it, but you're not eating nothing. You're going to die. Have a blessed day. <laughs> he said it. See, see, watch this. Watch this. Can, can I teach you just a, a leadership lesson? It's a leadership lesson. You, you, be, you, gotta, you, you need to be careful what you utter in the presence of people that can favor you. You need to be, you need to be, you need to be real careful what you utter in the presence of people that can favor you and change your situation. But so what are you saying? I, I'm not kissing. See, that's your problem. You, you got a pride problem. Ain't nobody saying that. What I'm saying to you is you have to be careful. Please understand, Elisha was the one that had the word to fix it. This man utters the wrong thing to the wrong man so that he gets a decree of death rather than life. Wow. 
before you call yourself going in and disrespecting your boss because you feel justified, be careful because you're dealing with someone that's got the power to favor you. And if they want corporate to create a position, they'll do it. Before you go in there, I'm just going to tell I'm going to just be careful because there's a biblical principle called honor. And when you violate it, the scripture says you'll create a season of negative things. Just be easy. Just be easy. Uh, okay, but I was just, that was another little lesson. Okay, I got to move. I got to finish. The sad part with this guy was that everybody else got it, but he missed it. Because of his display of a negative attitude. He had gotten so used to seeing defeat that he displayed his negativity rather than his solidarity to God's divinity. Get this eating. You got it, solidarity. God's divinity. He displays a negative attitude in front of Elisha. And Elisha's like, you are not getting ready to kill this atmosphere. I'll kill you before you kill this atmosphere. That's why some people all of a sudden just disappeared and they fell off the radar in your life. And you're like, what in the world? They fell off the planet. It's because God said, I'll get rid of you before you mess up their atmosphere. You better cry your, dry your eyes and stop crying over who walked out and who's not there. Maybe it was God saying, I'll kick that joker out before I let them jack up your atmosphere. I'll make them fall off the face of the planet before their negativity keeps you bound in mediocrity. That's cold-blooded. And you're like, what happened? What happened? What happened? God was like, I'll get rid of them before I dare let the atmosphere. I've been working on this all year. I've been working on getting you to this place in your life for 35 years, 45 years, 55. I've been working to get you here, and I'll be doggone if some jive time sucker talks you out of what I've been working my whole life to get you to. Somebody say display. So display a good attitude. And when it's tough to say something good, now I'm gonna tell you, no, that's what you do. <laughs> when it's tough to say something good, just now watch this. Y'all want revelation? Okay, I only got 15 minutes left on the recording, so y'all got to get it fast. You ready? If you remember, let's go all the way back to the ghost series. Got to go pick it up in the bookstore. If you remember, the scripture says, and the Holy Spirit makes utterances for us through our groanings. Groanings in Greek means our sighing. <laughs> Got to get the series. But watch this. In other words, when I don't have nothing good to say, and I, the Holy Ghost took my, and by the time it got up to heaven, it was a prayer. You're not hearing what I'm saying. When you get in those moments of stress and you just, the Bible says the Holy Ghost takes that and turns it into prayer. That's why sighing is your normal response to stress because the Lord says, I'll take what meant evil and I'll turn it into prayer. So we have nothing good to say. And you don't have to do all the extra with it. 
you doing all this dancing? Like, you get you a robe and... Why are you doing all that? Why are you doing all that? Doesn't the name say you don't have to do all that? Don't let the devil see you sweat. But when I... The Spirit said, put the verse up. There it is. Romans 8, 26. Go ahead, put it up. There you go. You got it. Romans 8, 26. Here it is. They had it. They were on it. There you go. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us when we're weak. Watch this. He knows we don't know what to say in those moments. So God himself talks to himself through our groanings or sighs, which cannot be uttered. So, said, so watch this. Even when you didn't open up your mouth to decree, God took your sigh. Got to get the series. I thought about it. I, you got to get the whole series. So when you, do, when you do that, just be like, thank you, Jesus. The Holy Ghost just prayed exactly what I didn't know what to say. Now, though, that's very supernatural for you to think that <sighs> could be a sigh. But notice what you do a lot when pressure comes. <sighs> That's how you made it through the last time. Because you got up to heaven. And when it got up to heaven, it was perfect prayer. All right. Y'all said y'all wanted revelation, so. Somebody say display. All right, so display a good attitude. Here's the last point, number four. Number four. Number four. You ready? Decide. Decide the four lepers. Now, this, this, this is the part that shouts me. So, I, you know, I'm, I get pretty excited about the word. I get pretty excited about Jesus because he's done a lot for me. And so please forgive me if that, uh, you know, if you, you know, whatever. But he's done a lot for me. So I just get excited sometimes. So I just hop and jump and do stuff like that sometimes. Excuse me. I am subject to outbursts at any moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm liable to just run across the stage at any moment. The camera people do a wonderful job because it's tough to keep up with me. Uh, please understand. Uh, uh, so, so, so especially for this point, I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. So if ain't nobody on the stage, that's your cue to just worship the Lord inside. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Here it is. Number four. Decide. The four lepers, watch this. Their frustration with their current situation gave them the motivation to change it. Their frustration with their current situation gave them the motivation to change it. There's certain stuff you're not going to change until you get sick and tired of it. So God says, I'll let it get real bad until you get sick and tired of it. Have you ever noticed that? There's certain stuff you just let, and then one day, maybe it was a Wednesday. Was it a Wednesday? Yeah, but arbitrary day. Was it a Wednesday? Watch this. Watch this. Look at what they said. Verse 4 uh, out of 2 Kings 7. Uh, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. But if we sit here, we're going to die too. <laughs> now, therefore, come, let us go surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they'll keep us alive, great. If they kill us, we'll die. If we stay in this situation, in this mess, in this depression, in this confusion, we'll die. If we go to the city and the famine's in the city and we just sit there and do the same thing, we'll die too. In other words, they had enough sense to know if I change locations without changing me, 
It's quiet in here. Look at what they said. Verse 4. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we uh, sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we'll live. And if they kill us, well, we'll die. In other words, if we stay here, we die. If we go back, we die. Uh, what do we have to lose pressing forward? The answer is nothing. It, 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 it got real, 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 real quiet right there. Now, 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 now. Some, some, what's the point I gave you? Decide. These men were lepers, which means they were at the bottom of the totem pole of the society. They were nobodies headed nowhere real fast. Everybody counted them out. Everybody said they weren't smart enough. Everybody said you weren't good enough. Everybody said nothing's ever going to work for you. Everybody said you've got too many mistakes in your past. Everybody says you've got too many problems. You've got too many issues. God ain't going to work for you. This ain't going to happen for you. Don't you get your faith out there because every time you take your faith out there, he leaves you. Doesn't he leave you? Won't he leave you this time? They were the worst of the worst. But they sat there and said, well, now, wait a minute. Let's really look at the situation. It's a famine in the whole land. And if we sit here and die, uh, we're going to die. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and if we, uh, if we, if we, uh, if we move on uh, uh, and the Syrians kill us, well, yeah, okay, we'll die. Uh, and uh, if, uh, if we go into the city and just sit there, we'll die. So, why just sit here? Let us at least see. Let, 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 us, let, let us at least see. Maybe, somehow, by a chance, maybe, somehow, by a chance. You said, Bishop, you're moving real slow through here because I want to make sure you get it. Uh, maybe, somehow, what, what do we have to lose? They already gave the benediction on us. They already eulogized us. What do we have to lose? See, 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 let me help take away, because some of you, you got this fear of failure. Let me help take it away. You failed before. Any witnesses here? So why are you so afraid of what didn't kill you last time? Okay, all right. Why are you so afraid of what didn't take you out last time? Okay. Okay, can, 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 can I tell you something? Uh, the, the place, the place, the place that they, uh, uh, that they ended up uh, going to, uh, we discover is this place. Uh, write this down, note takers. If you're not taking notes, that's, uh, just you know, write it down too. Um, it is the word Aram. A-R-A-M. It means an exalted place. Or a place of prominence. Okay. These four ended up discovering that the camp of Aram 
exalted place, place of permanence, that that camp was abandoned just for them. I know I'm talking slow. I know for some, you, I, I know if you're one of those people that are like, would he just say it? What is he talking so slow for? I know. Just, just work with me. Just for a moment. Just work for me. We'll just we'll touch your neighbor. Say, just work with me for just a moment. Um, the camp that they went to. The name in Hebrew, Aram. Aram. It means. Exalted place. A place of prominence. But they were in a depressed place. They were the lepers. They were the bottom of the barrel. Wasn't no just started at the bottom there. They were still at the bottom. They were the worst of the worst. Nobody thought anything good about those four men. But all of a sudden, they say, well, let's just go see. Because maybe, by chance, somehow, someway, when we get there, everything's going to be, okay, all right. Y'all not hearing me? This place of prominence and this exalted place had been abandoned and left just for them. I'm talking slow. Because I want you to get it. What was the fourth point? Decide. These four men. Somebody shouting in the vestibule. These four men said. They've already said all the bad things they can say about us. They've already said nothing was ever going to work for me. This is what they're saying about themselves, you know. They already said everything you do never works. They are, they, these men said everything bad that could have happened has. You already bounced back from financial issues. You already been back from what a doctor said. You already made it over somebody leaving you. You already, you already been through hell. What in the hell are you scared of now? There's nothing hell has that you haven't already conquered. So these men said, we got to get to this exalted place and to this place of prominence. So let's check it out. Let's see. So they get there. Come on here, verse 5, walk it out with me as I get ready to close. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they got outside the camp, Aram, to their surprise, 
In other words, God says, what I'm getting ready to do, but it's time to... It's going to be a surprise even for you. See, you got it figured out in your mind how you think it's going to go. But God says, baby, I'm so good and I'm so merciful and I'm so kind and I got so much power. Watch me surprise you. And I'm out of time. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.